Well, hello there, everyone, and welcome to Election 2022 Midterm Coverage in America. I'm Jordan Roan, host of Arc of Justice PA, and I'm here today to break down midterm predictions. That's right. We are now just a day away from in-person voting beginning across the entire country. And what I'm here to do is to predict what those results will be on maybe Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, whoever knows when we're going to finally actually know what the results of these races are. But that's beside the point. What I'm going to go through right now is official predictions by myself, Jordan Roan, when it comes to what's going to happen here in the midterms. Now, let's just refresh in our memories here. Back in 2020, I take a lot of comfort in having predicted that Joe Biden would become the next president of the United States, only missing North Carolina, and I believe one congressional district as well. We have those little electoral college votes that come out of Maine and Nebraska, which vote by congressional district and I believe I messed up one of the congressional districts in Nebraska so I missed North Carolina and a congressional district and other than that was pretty happy with my performance on election night 2020 and we know how that turned out Joe Biden became our next president so now it's time to go back into that crystal ball and find out what is going to happen for midterms 2022. Let's get to it. So I am only going to talk about the Senate races in depth right now. I will say that right off the bat, in terms of the House of Representative races, I am predicting that the Republicans will win back the House I think they will do so pretty decisively. I know my friend Larry Sabato at the University of Virginia, he has just come out and given his prediction, which is Republicans 237, Democrats 198. I'm going to agree with Larry Sabato on the fact that Republicans probably will get in the 230s range of seats, and I'm not so sure that Democrats will crack 200. So, let's move on now to the U.S. Senate races and my official predictions on what will happen tomorrow. So, here we go. What I'm doing actually is taking a look at a map here that is in front of me, thanks to 270towin.com. They have a great map that you can interact with. And I'm going to pull up a list here and we're going to go one by one right from the start i want to make clear there are states obviously that are going to go in certain columns right we know that colorado will almost certainly be blue so i'm not going to really discuss that too much i'm just going to mention some of those likely or solid races And we'll move on to the ones that everyone wants to know about, 
right? And we all know which states those that includes. So first off, when it comes to the state of Ohio, how about we start with Ohio? That's going to be a Republican win, okay? The Republican Party is going to win Ohio. You can mark that down as dark red. I think that, folks, you just have to realize that, and I tell it all the time to candidates that I might be advising. I say it all the time to people on the street. You cannot run against numbers. You cannot run against populations of people who are just solidified as one party over the other. And I do think that someday Ohio could get back to electing Democrats statewide. I just don't think it's going to be in the year 2022. Ohio will go for J.D. Vance, and it will go red. So if you're filling in your map at home, Florida will go red. And on this map that is in front of me of states that are sort of toss-ups, you might want to say, we are seeing the map at this point, be Republicans 46 states, Democrats 43 states, okay? So 11 toss-ups left to go, Republican, red. Uh, let's start now with a couple of the other states that I would say aren't really toss-ups, but they're more solidified towards one party, okay? And that next one's going to be Florida. Florida is going red in 2022. Ron DeSantis will win the governor's seat. And Marco Rubio will win his Senate seat once again, defeating Val Demings, who is a really tremendous candidate being run by the Democratic Party. Val Demings, I think, should definitely be someone to keep an eye out for when it comes to future political opportunities. Um, I think maybe somebody could be calling her to serve in a high-ranking position, maybe in the White House. Joe Biden, knock-knock. Um, but for right now, Val Demings is not going to win the U.S. Senate seat from Florida. Mark it down, dark red, Florida goes in the GOP column. As it stands now on the map, Republicans 47, Democrats 43. Let's move now to another state, and that is North Carolina. The state of North Carolina is a very tricky one to try and um, forecast. Because North Carolina, of course, at one point was going for Barack Obama. They were blue. And then things have gone kind of south. and They've gone pretty red ever since then. So we have two candidates running in the U.S. Senate race from North Carolina. It is the Democrat, Sherry Beasley, and the Republican, Ted Budd. Ted Budd trying to replace three-term Republican U.S. Senator Richard Burr. And I'm here to say right now that the Republican will retain that seat. Ted Budd is going to win the state of North Carolina in the Senate race on November the 8th. Put that in the red column. North Carolina will go for the GOP. The map now stands Republicans 48, Democrats 43. Okay, you're a Democrat out there like me listening. You're starting to get nervous. What do you mean we're only at 43? Okay, well, take a deep breath. Let's start talking some of your winnable races. And I'm going to list off three right now in the blue column. 
Let's get the Dems back on the board. I'm looking at the state of Connecticut. I know. Why am I even discussing it? It should be dark blue. And that's true. It will be dark blue. But there has been some polling. Actually, one came out in mid-October that showed the incumbent Senator Richard Blumenthal, great senator, by the way, leading his opponent, Republican Leora Levy, by just five points. And it showed him up 49 to 44. Obviously, we can pretty much consider that to be an outlier. And I'm just going to mention it for that one little purpose because of some data that was coming out. But you can mark down Connecticut, dark blue. Blumenthal retains his seat. Democrats now jump to 44 seats, 44 to 48. Democrats to Republicans, so check that off there. Next state I'm going to is Colorado. Colorado, we often think of as very blue, right? Correct. However, the polling data that has come out of Colorado is something that has given Senator Michael Bennett a little bit of pause. And throughout the majority of the summer, fall, we've seen Michael Bennett up 8, 9, and then in October down to about 7, and then suddenly at the end of October down to about 6 in the real clear politics average of polls. And then last week he went down to about five, a little over five points for his lead over the opponent, Joe Odea. So what's going on there? Once again, I wouldn't give it too much credit. I think Michael Bennett wins this race pretty handedly, um, handedly meaning by more than three points. So Michael Bennett will win re-election and Colorado will go blue. Repu Democrats now jump up to 45 on the map. 45, Republicans 48. Let's give Democrats another victory right now. Washington, the state of Washington. We also think of that as a pretty blue state. And you would be right. Right? Right? Uh, probably. Probably right. So we know that Patty Murray, Democrat from Washington, she won her first race in 2010 by 3.8 points. She came back in 2016 and absolutely just mopped the floor of Chris Vance, her Republican opponent. She won by 18 points. So here we are six years later, and we're actually talking about this as being a possible toss-up state. What's going on there? Well, similar to Colorado, Patty Murray was leading double digits in September. She dropped a little bit to a, a solid eight-point lead throughout October, and then we started seeing some poll changes, and Tiffany Smiley, that Republican opponent of hers, actually has, I would call it, I'd call it a surge in late October. She has really skyrocketed uh, up, gaining to about 45, 46% of the polling average, uh, which is very, very strong for a Republican in Washington. Here's the only problem for Tiffany Smiley that I'm seeing. Patty Murray is not losing any support. She has remained at about 50% the entire time. And if you're hitting 50% consistently, you're probably very likely, almost surely, not going to lose. Patty Murray might have a much closer race than she did in 2018, However, pa 
Patty Murray is going to hold on to her seat. Patty Murray, I would expect to win by probably five to six percentage points. So mark that down. It could be more. I don't know about double digits, but I think Patty Murray wins by a solid five points. So the state of Washington will go blue. Mark it down. Democrats now at 46 seats. Republicans, 48. We're done with the solid red and blue states, and we're moving on to our true, true 50-50 toss-ups. Grab a coin, flip it, and you might probably have a better shot at getting these right than me. Maybe. We'll find out. But I want to move at this point to our first toss-up state. And let's start out with Wisconsin. How about we go to Wisconsin? That is a race that has been talked about for a long, long time. Democrats thought for a while that, hey, maybe we can pull this seat. Maybe we can take it away from Ron Johnson, who's not that popular, and maybe we can win this. They put up Mandela Barnes, the Democrat, in Wisconsin. He's been affected by a lot of the negative campaign ads that the Republicans have been running in other states like Pennsylvania against Fetterman about the soft on crime and trying to make a statement that the Democrats are going to let loose criminals, etc., etc. So Barnes has faced a, a lot of negative press there, and now we're going to talk about what's going to happen. So Ron Johnson, 2010, he won by 5 points, 2016 by 3.4. Hmm, what happens next? Let me tell you what's going to happen. Ron Johnson is going to win Wisconsin, and that's not going to be news that a lot of Democrats want to hear. It's not going to be news that the Wisconsin Dems or National Dems, no one wants to hear that. However, the incumbency is a powerful thing, and I say that a lot. When you're an incumbent in office, and I'm going to speak as a Pennsylvanian here, I think this race reminds me a lot of Pat Toomey's 2016 race, where Democrats thought, hey, here's a really good shot. We can, we can pull this away from the Republicans. Um, and then they forget that the incumbent always has an edge and always has a lot of leverage. And that's what we're going to see play out in the state of Wisconsin. I think when you look at the polling, I mean, Mandela Barnes was leading Ron Johnson for a pretty long time, up until the end of September. I mean, at one point, Barnes was up five and a half points in late August. And that's when people were getting really excited. However, literally at the start of October, Johnson started to run away with it. And I think a lot of that was because of those advertisements and shady campaigning by the Republicans and a lot of super PACs out there, a.k.a. Mitch McConnell's super PAC. So I'm looking at the data. I'm, I'm getting a good feel of how things are going in Wisconsin. And I don't unfortunately think it's going to be all that close as people would people want it to be or expect it to be ron johnson's uh polling average right now he's up about 2.8 points we have seen a lot um a lot of underrepresentation or underestimation of the gop particularly in the state of wisconsin over the past couple of cycles and i think we can probably take that into account at least i'm taking that into account when I'm going to project Ron Johnson winning by probably probably about 4 to 
I think Ron Johnson wins 4 to 5 percent over Barnes, and he will retain his seat. So on the map, we're heading to Wisconsin, and we're going to make it red. Republicans gain their 49th seat thanks to Wisconsin. All right, let's move on now to the state of New Hampshire. Let's go to New Hampshire. Such a very unique situation there. 2010, we had the Republican, Kelly Ayoit. She won by 23.5 points. I mean, it was a landslide victory, and she actually ran m way higher than the polling average was saying at the time. Real Clear Politics polling average back in 2010 had Kelly up by 16 points. She ended up winning by 23.5, so a very big decisive victory there. Then in 2016, Maggie Hassan, the Democrat, she came in. She pulled off the upset of the century, and she defeated Kelly Ayoit by 0.2%. So when it comes to New Hampshire, there's a reason why people might think it could be the closest in the country. And I'm now looking at this race, Maggie Hassan going up against Don Bodick. Don Bodick. And I'm seeing a very, very tight race. Very, very tight. And I know Real Clear Politics has Maggie Hassan up by one point right now. I'm looking through data. And I think it's very clear that Don Bodick has been surging over the past couple of months. September, he was down by almost 10 points. And he actually took a little bit of a lead there last week over Maggie Hassan in the average. But then we've started to see three pulls out in the past week that showed Maggie Hassan up by four, one, and then two, respectively. Don Bodick up by one and two pulls. This is really, when it comes to defining a toss-up state, this is a massive toss-up state. And I think in a Republican, uh, a year that the Republicans should be doing really well, it can be easy to say why Don Bodick uh, could even be a favorite in this race because of the way the political climate is going. But I think if you're a Democrat, I'm ready for this. Good news for you Democrats. I do believe Maggie Hassan will win a very, very close race in New Hampshire. A very close race in New Hampshire. And we could be looking at some litigation probably from the Bulldog campaign and other parties when it comes to trying to challenge or try to get you know recounts, et cetera, et cetera. But we know that recounts don't normally change elections. Very rarely do they ever actually have much of an impact. So I'm giving this to Maggie Hassan. Maggie Hassan's going to win the state of New Hampshire, in my opinion. And if you're asking me for a specific number, what do I think Maggie Hassan wins by? I would say I think Hassan wins by two points. So I'm marking that down right now. Maggie Hassan will win by about two percentage points. It could even be one and a half, to be honest. Um, but... I do believe that the Democrats hold on to New Hampshire. And like I said with Ron Johnson, I think a lot of that might have to do with the fact that Maggie Hassan is an incumbent, and that holds weight. So, well, it holds weight unless you are Kelly Ayoit in 2016, right? <laughs> she didn't get much help there. So Maggie Hassan, though, will win the state of New Hampshire, in my opinion. Let's move on now Two, well, let's first off tell you what the map looks like. Democrats 47, Republicans 49. 
So you're looking at a map like this, and you're thinking, well, you know, if you're Democrats, you kind of have to start running the table a little bit here. We have four more states to discuss and talk about Georgia, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Arizona. And four states left, Democrats, you need to get you need to get three of those four to hold on to the Senate. That would get you to 50 seats, and you'd have Kamala, Vice President Kamala Harris, being able to break those ties. So let's go back in and let's discuss what we are seeing next. Okay, how about I turn my attention now to the state of Georgia? Georgia is a very interesting place in the political world right now. It's probably the one race that has been discussed the most if you're just a general news watcher because there's been so so many controversies and gaffes and and candidates that are very unique and those candidates are Democratic incumbent Raphael Warnock and facing off against former football star Republican Herschel Walker. And right now the average of polling shows Herschel Walker up 0.6 points. Talking a little bit about history here, 2016. We have to remember, folks, Georgia is not a blue state. Somebody was tweeting at me saying, what's going on? Why is Warnock not winning by more? Well, the fact is, why should he be winning by more? Georgia's not a blue state. Georgia has always been a red state prior to the 2020 Democratic sweep. Was that an outlier? Was 2020 an outlier for Georgia Democrats? That's a question that needs to be asked, and I don't really know the answer to that. I think, honestly, it I don't I think it's too soon to tell, and I'll tell you exactly why. First off, let me just talk about that governor's race there. I think Brian Kemp defeats Stacey Abrams. There's really no indication at all that Stacey Abrams is going to win. I don't even know if Stacey Abrams I, I don't know how close it will be there. We've seen Kemp, uh, Governor Brian Kemp, leading by about eight points in the average. We've seen some polls as high as 14 points that he's leading Stacey Abrams by. Don't think he's going to win by 14 points. I think at the end of the day, Brian Kemp in Georgia probably wins by maybe maybe six points. That sounds about right. So I'm going to write that down for my own records and say I think Brian Kemp wins by six points over Stacey Abrams. Okay, we're talking about the Senate, though, so let's go back, because this is a Senate race that I think is going to be a lot closer than six percentage points. Herschel Walker has gained a lot of momentum pretty much, so October, even October 8th, Warnock was up by five points, right? Uh, we know that there was the debate that kind of Herschel was making a fool of himself. Well, people forget about those that, that stuff pretty easily, and since late October, Walker's been really climbing in the polls, and he leads Raphael Warnock by just a very, very slim margin. And remember when I talked about what's that, what's, what state's going to be the closest results? I think Georgia could be definitely one of the top ones, and that's because <sighs> it, it's, it's just a, such a state that you, you just can't predict what's going to happen there. Um, and I'll tell you why I don't think we're going to have a clear-cut answer. And that is because I don't think we're going to know the winner of the Georgia Senate race until December the 6th. My prediction for Georgia is that by state law, 
if no candidate hits 50% of the vote, it has to go to a runoff between those top two candidates. There's really, I mean, I think if someone's going to hit 50%, I don't think it's going to be Warnock. I think it will probably be Herschel Walker. I'd be shocked if he hits 50% tomorrow. Really, I would. Um, you know, his average right now is, is not even at 48. It's 47.9. So him hitting 50% would be a sign of trouble across the entire country for Democrats. I think if he hits 50%, it probably is the quote-unquote red wave that we're seeing across the country. So if you're a Democrat like me, you're hoping that's not the case. But as uh, someone who's looking at this from an outside perspective, at this point, I can say pretty clearly, Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock, they're going to go to a runoff on December the 6th. Since you're going to be listening, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this podcast, but maybe it's before or after December 6th. So I'm going to make my projection for December 6th right now as well. And this is one that I think probably goes against a lot of conventional wisdom or opinion and probably against uh, some other pundits. But I'm going to say right now that I'm putting Georgia in the, the blue column. I'm putting Georgia in the blue column for the December 6th runoff. I think that Raphael Warnock repeats the success of 2020. He builds that coalition. He gets that money, the national money that came in from all over the place for those runoffs back in 2020. And I think he repeats what would be probably a little bit of an upset over Herschel Walker who I do not think was the strongest candidate that they could have run in Georgia, and that will probably come back to bite them. So check that map out there and throw Georgia in the blue column. Raphael Warnock will win Georgia, I think, in runoff fashion. And let's see. If you want me to make a projection on by how much, the final results in 2020 was he won by 1.6 points. I would say it's probably going to be a little closer than that. I'll give Raphael Warnock the win on December 6th by one point, one percent. He'll win by one percent on December 6th. Warnock by one percent on 12-6. Check those maps out, folks, and you will see that Georgia is blue, which means, according to my map, Democrats 48 seats, Republicans 49 seats. That's where things stand at this point in time. Now we can move on to the next state. Let's go now with um, let's go with Nevada. Let's talk Nevada. This is, I think, if you're a Republican strategist out there, if you're Mitch McConnell, you're looking at Nevada and saying, "Oh boy." Here's a state we can really pull. We can. This is how we win. This is how we win. Catherine Cortez Masto, she is the Democratic senator, incumbent, facing off against Adam Laxalt. He is the attorney general of Nevada. And, wow, this is a close race. So right now the Real Clear Politics average has Laxalt up by 2.8%, Republican leading by 2.8%. What's interesting is, and this isn't very common amongst polling, but Democrats actually have been underestimated in Nevada in the past couple of cycles. You know, usually the polls are underestimating the Republicans. That's not the case in Nevada. Very unique situation. So if you're Catherine Cortez Masto, you're looking at the polling averages, you're, you're down by like a couple of points. I don't think that should scare you too much because 
of how the bias is usually kind of skewed towards Republicans in Nevada. But I'm looking at some of these polls, and what I would be a little worried about if I Masto, Cortez Masto, is like the last week, the last week of this race. And we've been seeing, you know, not only is Laxalt really maintaining his 47% polling average, Cortez Masto is declining very fast. I haven't seen across the country a sharp drop-off as Cortez Masto is seen in Nevada. I mean, just let me let me tell you, October 26th, she was at 46.5 on that polling average. Today, she's at 44.5, and that's a day before the election. If you're a candidate and you're looking at, at averages, you're looking at the data, you want to see pretty much anything but a sharp decline. If you're maintaining, you're fine. If you're going up, you're fine. At this point, the only person going up is Adam Laxalt. And I think that's why Adam Laxalt is going to take the Senate seat in Nevada. I think Catherine Cortez Masto will be defeated as an incumbent senator in Nevada. We know that Cortez Masto took over the seat of Harry Reid. Harry Reid won it by 5.6 in 2010. Cortez Masto won by 2.4 in 2016. And I'm going to say... Adam Laxalt in the year of 2022 will win the state of Nevada by two points. I think he wins 2% over Cortez Masto. So if you are listening from home, you're looking at your map, Nevada will go in the red column, I believe. And that leads us to Republicans 50 seats, Democrats 48 seats. 50-48. Wow. Yeah, it is going to be as close as you think. So if you're Democrats at this point, you have to win out. You have to win the last two states on the map, Arizona and Pennsylvania. If you don't, you lose control of the Senate. Republicans, you just have to win one. There are two states left. you got to do one. Okay? What's it going to be? Let's move now to the state of Arizona. I want to talk Arizona. Arizona is featuring the candidates on the Democratic side. It's the incumbent senator, Mark Kelly, on the Republican side. It's Blake Masters, who is a young and sort of rising star, maybe self-proclaimed rising star of the Republican Party. But he's gained a lot of momentum since mm, end of September. I mean, he was barely cracking 40% of the average in, in September. He was at 41, and now he's at 47.2. So the Republicans all came home for Blake Masters. They're really rallying their support around him, talking about the governor's race, which I expect Carrie Lake will win out there, the former news anchor, um, kind of the Trump 2.0 candidate people are calling, possibly might be the running mate of Donald Trump in 2024. I'm also hearing that as well. And I think that... Carrie Lake wins the Arizona governor's race out there um, against Secretary of State Hobbs. And, yeah, I think that Carrie Lake probably is helping Blake Masters climb in the polls because of her popularity that's rising. I just don't think it's going to be enough. I don't think it's going to be enough for Blake Masters. I think Mark Kelly is a popular senator in Arizona, 
I think people like him a lot. I think he's been effective. He has teetered the line very well when it comes to being balanced. And in a state like Arizona, which John McCain won by 13 points in 2016, I think you have to be that way. And you can't look too far left. You can't look like a you know, self-proclaimed socialist or anything like that if you want to win in Arizona. Kelly won by 2.4 points in 2020. I'm seeing now some of the averages. You know, Masters is really skyrocketing as of late in the pools. I mean, he's up like almost 3% in a week, in a week, which is scary if you're the Democrat. But Mark Kelly, he's been really maintaining a pretty high average. Um, it's dipped a little bit, but, you know, he's he's at 48% in the average, and I think it's probably going to end up about there as well. There's not much underestimation in polling from Arizona over the past couple of cycles. Kelly, he's been polling, you know, I'm looking at since October 4, he's up 3, up 4, up 6, up 2. Blake Masters, he's never led a poll in Arizona. Never has Blake Masters led a poll in Arizona. And I don't think there's any reason to suspect he will win. I'm not saying it's impossible. Um, I think it will be closer than a lot of people expected back in the summer. But I think Mark Kelly's going to pull this one out. And I think it's going to be probably by a margin of like maybe one and a half points. Maybe one and a half to two points. Don't get me wrong. It's going to be very close. and But I think it's going to be, at the end of the day, a Democratic hold in Arizona. They really needed that one. And at this point, Democrats are at 49 seats. Republicans are at 50 seats. So <laughs> I'm a Pennsylvanian, and I've heard it for a long, long time. I hear it. You've heard it in the news. All eyes are on Pennsylvania. The world is watching Pennsylvania tomorrow and in the days that will follow inevitably because of the way that the the you know, reading of ballots and, and the cast actually putting the ballots through the system it takes a long time for the mail-in ballots to go through so let's just go right now let's dig into it the final state on the map in its Pennsylvania and it's very much a toss-up However, I have accumulated enough data. I have accumulated, I have the, um, the fortune of being on the ground to actually speak to voters and understand where swing voters are, what, what they're looking at. I understand what has been shown on TV, the advertising. I know what uh, older folks are thinking, what younger folks are thinking. I know which people are, are saying they're even going to vote and which people say it's not worth my time. And I know what, I know that it's going to be extremely close, but I also think that I know who's going to win this election. So let's dig into it right now. It's the Democrat, Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, facing off against the Republican, Dr. Mehmet Oz, the television personality who kind of came out from the limelight and started going to all these Pennsylvania communities saying that he wants to represent them, even though he as most people know, actually lived in New Jersey up until it was time to try to run for the Pennsylvania Senate. Okay, but that's all beside the point because we're not talking about persuasion and we're not talking about 
merits of candidacies at this point in time. We're talking about who's going to win this race. And I'm someone who knows John Fetterman. I've met him before. I love John Fetterman and everything he stands for. I'm voting for John Fetterman. And I'm going to do so proudly. I've knocked on doors for John Fetterman. This man deserves to be in the United States Senate. I don't think Dr. Oz deserves to be in the United States Senate. And I don't think Dr. Oz will be in the United States Senate because John Fetterman is going to win the U.S. Senate race in Pennsylvania. I think when you look at polling averages, you can throw out the last couple of weeks. I don't think it's an accurate depiction of how Pennsylvanians feel about Dr. Oz, about him not being from Pennsylvania, about him being a carpetbagger. We know John Fetterman. We know him well. We know what he stands for. We know his values. We know his heart. We know his grit. We know that he's a person who has inspired people with disabilities, people who have had strokes. And we all know someone who's suffered from health problems. We don't write them off or count them out. We stand by them. We uplift them. We champion them. And that's what Pennsylvanians will do for John Fetterman on Tuesday, November the 8th. John Fetterman, I believe, will defeat Dr. Oz. It will be close. I predict John Fetterman wins by about three points. 3%. That's my prediction. It's also my hope. And I think we are going to see great things from Pennsylvania on election night as we elect Democrat Josh Shapiro and Democrat John Fetterman. So, if you haven't already, go out and vote wherever you're listening from, if you're able to vote. Make your voice heard. Cast your ballot for the things that you stand for, for the principles that guide you in your life. And pick the candidate who aligns closest to those. Thank you so very much for listening, everyone. I'm Jordan Roan with Arc of Justice PA. Please be sure to subscribe to this channel, like this episode. If my predictions are accurate... Well, keep listening to future episodes so you can gain some more insight into what I'm looking at, into the data, into the hunches, into the on-the-ground conversations. And we'll take off a little bit of time. 2023 in Pennsylvania is municipal election season. Lots and lots of open races that you can run in yourself. School board, city council, mayor, commissioner, all those great positions, judges, if you are qualified to do so. So consider throwing yourself, throwing your name into the ring. It might not be as glossy. It might not be as high spending, it, but it's politics and you have the chance to impact people's lives. So I encourage you to do so and to go out next May and vote, go out next November and vote. And then, of course, We'll begin talking about that inevitable 2024 presidential race and all the seats that will be up alongside it. 
It's going to be a doozy, everyone. And how about another prediction for you? Rematch. Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. Coming your way, November 5th, 2024. And we'll beat them like a drum, just like we did the Republicans today. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Take care. And check out the election results coming your way on Tuesday, November 8th, and any of the days that follow. Bye-bye, everyone.